Hello everyone and welcome on Women Abroad, the podcast that invites young professional women to share their experience abroad and reveal the wonderful women behind these stories. My name is Françoise Fallis. I'm a certified executive intercultural and life coach and trainer. I've lived and worked as an expatriate for more than 12 years in Egypt, Morocco and Nigeria twice, and I currently live in Luxembourg. I meet young women who are studying or starting their careers abroad and hear from them about their discoveries, culture shock and the personal and professional challenges they face. What surprises, amuses, even fascinates them? How does their experience open up new perspectives and reveal new things about themselves? If you are curious about living and working internationally, this podcast will inspire you to consider new horizons. Women abroad, be inspired by women who find their true selves living abroad. Today I'm hosting Nathalie Gricourt. Nathalie was born in France. She studied marketing in a business school in France and then graphic design in Australia. She has been living in London for 10 years. Living and working abroad is a big change in her life and is often the start of a long transformational self-journey. It goes with its ups and downs, navigating between challenging times and joyful moments. Many doors can lead to entrepreneurship and an international experience reveals unknown parts of ourselves. And because we are evolving in an unfamiliar environment, We surprise ourselves to develop projects we had never thought of before. I let Natalie unveil her story and how her decision first to go to Australia and then her move to London operated as real shifts in her life. Hello, Natalie. Hello, Françoise. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. What about you? Yeah, very good, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Very pleased to host you today in Women Abroad podcast. As a start, would you like to tell us your position today, what you're doing in London, and what made you decide to move abroad? Sure. So I've been living in London now for 10 years, and actually I've been working in the same company <laughs> for the exact same time. Um, so I work for an investment company. I'm a um, digital um, transformation program um, manager. I, I mean, I had several positions there, um, but over time, that's uh, how my role evolved. So the, the reason why I moved abroad initially is I think I always had in me, without knowing it at the time, but I always had uh, this curiosity, I think, and the, this desire to live abroad. I always loved the English language. That That's something as well. Uh, I, I remember, I mean, from a you know, um, back in the days. And I think I always had that that vision, uh, speaking English uh, uh, um, all day long. That's something I've always been uh, yeah, keen to develop. But yeah, until my early 30s, really, I was very much uh, attached to living in Paris. And I couldn't see myself living anywhere else. <laughs> But then various things happened in my life at that time. Uh, I went through a, quite a difficult time. Um, with a relationship, but also you know, a depression. And I felt all of a sudden this desire that I had when I was younger came back 
you know, and, and the opportunity as well, because I, I had some friends who, who went to live in Australia and I had this opportunity to go and visit them on holiday. And all of a sudden things were more concrete. The, the opportunity was there and I decided, so I went to visit them on holiday. I really enjoyed my time. It was fantastic. And so I came back to Paris and I, yeah, I left everything, my job, <laughs> my flat, I sold all my furniture, everything. And I went back to Australia without any job, nothing, a <laughs> little bit, you know, like, <laughs> oh, well, we'll see. Um, everything is going to be fine. And it's been, yeah, a fantastic adventure in the sense that it has been for me, I think, the starting point of something, of, of who I am today. Um, not what I do, but who I am. It's, uh, it's yeah, the, the important distinction. But I followed desire. I didn't know where it would take me at all. And Australia has been, you know, not, not that easy uh, either because of the visa and I, I couldn't stay I couldn't work there. It's been difficult. However, I found a way to, you know, make the most of it. So I started some graphic design studies. I always wanted to do when I was younger in my in my 20s. So I had this opportunity for a few months yet to study graphic design. It was also discover things about myself uh, in terms of creativity and, and coding. I discovered coding there. And uh, for me, it was uh, yeah, a bit of a eye opener. And uh, but yeah, so however, the, the situation there has been a bit uh, difficult and I think I didn't feel I belonged to Australia, to the culture, to, you know, that that was not me. Uh, it's a very outdoorsy kind of culture, I would say. So you meant uh, Australia was like a stepping stone, a time of great self-awareness, but you felt comfortable in the country, but not home. That's what you meant. Exactly. I mean, I think it brought me what was necessary for, you know, the next step on my journey, which is to understand that I really enjoy living abroad. I really um, enjoy also living my own journey. All of a sudden, you know, you're a bit, um, you you are not with your usual circle. Um, and all of a sudden I realized, ooh, I can be autonomous. I can be independent. I, I think it's been also that, that type of uh, uh, reflection for me. And also it's because, I met some people, you know, that would bring me <laughs> on, on the next step of my journey, uh, especially London. And how long did you stay in Australia overall? Overall, I would say 11 months, so a little bit less than a year. And then there was this turning point where you met people from London. So I met in Australia uh, people from London. And when I had to go back, because that's the thing, what I'm telling you now is, uh, you know, in hindsight, because when I was there, I really thought that's where I want to stay. That's where I want to be. But everything I was trying was uh, not failing, but uh, let's say not, uh, you know, taking me anywhere. Not giving you positive outcomes, I mean, as yeah, you wished. Exactly. Exactly. But it's also I felt that I was not. I could see some people so committed to make it happen, you know, because it was difficult for everybody, for any foreigner to have the visa. And, and I felt there was something missing for me. And again, in hindsight, I realized it's because I didn't feel I belonged there. I, there, there was something, yeah, I, I was not really aligned. Uh, that was not really aligned for me. And I know now because I know how I felt when I arrived in London, so I can compare. I had to leave Australia, but I was... Uh, 
very sad. I was very disappointed. I was that that's that's the beginning of my uh, money journey, really. Um, that brought me to 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 the business I'm doing now as well. But um, I was completely broke. And probably Australia was the first opportunity for you to really practice your English. I mean, you you improved your English a great deal, I assume. So not as much as I thought I would, in the sense that very quickly I've been dragged into, you know, hanging out a lot with the French community, which was fantastic. When you arrive, then you have, you know, people around and support my friends who, who were living there. Them, uh, she's, she's French and the, the other one was speaking French, you know, but that was one of my regrets about Australia is not I've developed, you know, more uh, or try to really uh, mingle more with um, um, English spoken um, people. So yes, I improved, but when I arrived in London, I realized I still had quite a little bit of a... (laughs) (laughs) A challenging time uh, in terms of the language. Well, it's more so the accents. People speak very, very fast. They use Uh, terms you never learn in school, you know, like uh, <laughs> slang or or shortcuts or you know they they, and um, and you have to learn also all the references and uh, so wow at the beginning it was overwhelming uh, in London because then here however I've been I really dived into the, the the English culture and I was working with English people I mean you you need to 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 think and speak you know and and make things happen fast it's not like when you hang out with friends and they tolerate, you know, you taking the time to think. <laughs> True. You see what I mean? So, yes, it was overwhelming, but I, I really enjoyed the challenge. Yes, that, that was great. And, and what was your first goal when you arrived in London? You, because in, in Australia, you knew that you would probably, you would not stay that long. It was quite a short-term experience. But in London, what was your mindset when you arrived in London? So actually, when I moved to Australia, I really thought it would be a long term oh. <laughs> thing, but I didn't prepare it that way. That That's the thing. I It's also because at the time, yeah, my friend was like, oh, it's okay. You will find a job very easily. And I did, actually. I found a, I found a job, you know, but with the visa issue that that company was not in a position to hire me because I didn't have skills uh, an Australian person didn't have. So that didn't work out. And I think from there, you know, I was like, oh, maybe it's going to be more difficult than I thought. And yeah, it, it didn't work out. But I, I really, I left with this idea of, oh, wow, I'm going to stay a few years there, you know. Um, so that's why when I had to leave, I was so disappointed because and, and so I came back to Paris for a few months and I realized I was like, no, I didn't have my international experience. That That's what I wanted. I wanted to live abroad. I wanted to really... I think the the language actually is, was very important to me. I wanted to live and breathe, you know, in in English. That that's I think that was really the the goal for me. And maybe underneath that there was also this what I discovered in Australia, this idea of being independent, being away from you know what I knew, my circle, my the mindset, you know, I was um, evolving. Uh, within and and I think I wanted to see something else. I wanted to see is there something else. <laughs> so you <laughs> realize you could be you could feel in some way comfortable in an un- uncomfortable situation. 
Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, yes, I think that's what I realized. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's a very, very good point. <laughs> and, and I enjoyed it. Yes, it's true. It's true. How did you have to particularly adjust to, to British? What did you learn about their way of working and living? When, when I arrived, what I've been a bit um, surprised with Is, is you had different level of uh, seniority, you know, so you had very senior people, more younger people and people like me, <laughs> you know, that foreign years and, and very new to the British culture. But what I noticed is everybody was mingling together. I mean, you know, yes. Uh, so uh, on Fridays we were going to the pub, but you didn't have this distinction. And that for me was uh, quite uh, surprising. In a, in a positive way. Um, I, I like that very much. So whatever their position in the company. Yes. So again, the, the, maybe the, the setup of the company was um, made that happen as well because we were just a very few people at the very beginning. You know, I don't know, we were maybe 20 or... So of course, that probably also creates a more intimate, uh, you know, um, connection or... But still... I could see, you know, <laughs> yes, um, the, the COO at, at the time or, you know, yeah, coming with everybody. And, and that was great. That I really, I really enjoyed that. What I noticed as well in the way they work, they are where I had to adapt a little bit is I think maybe in, in France, <laughs> we are a bit more direct in, in the way if, if we are not happy with something, we would say it. Um, I think the British culture, they would find a way to try to make you understand that they are not quite happy, but they don't want to hurt you. They don't want to, you know, so they say it in a way sometimes that for me, I know sometimes I, I didn't get it straight away. Or not, not that anybody said anything negative to me in, in that sense, but I know Also on the reverse, sometimes I was expressing, you know, myself and also I'm, I'm someone quite passionate. So I do a lot of gesture and I speak, you know, <laughs> and I think people sometimes are a bit like. Uh, wow. How did you, how did they react in front of your passionate nature? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think sometimes they, mainly they, they were smiling and they were laughing because they could feel that difference. And I want to believe that. Over the years, of course, being in that company and knowing people better and everything, they also really appreciated, you know, that. I mean, that that's what became my signature somehow in, in the company. I, at the same time, for, from the British culture, I like the politeness. I like the good manners somehow. The I know I know sometimes it feels very uh, hypocritical, um, but somehow I like it. <laughs> Because I, I'm someone, for example, I don't like conflict. And so that works quite well for me. It's it's a way of communicating then that is less aggressive, I found sometimes. It, it was surprising, but at the same time, that's something I felt I belong more uh, to. Yeah. You felt an easier way to connect to others according to who you are. Yes. I know for some... Um, a French friend that I met um, over the years here, it, it sometimes is a very difficult thing for them. This lack of uh, visibility and transparency on what what British people think in the work workplace, you know, the lack of, uh, yeah, not being that direct <laughs> and say things the way they are. Uh, but for me, it's never been a big deal. I mean, I never suffered from, from it at all. No, never. 
Um, and the, the other thing that I really loved, and that's why probably I'm still here after 10 years, um, about the, 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 the British culture, the way they work, is, is that um, trust they place in you from day one. And, and that space they, they give you to evolve um, and, and try things and experiment. And if you do a good job, then, you know, they, they will support you. But they, what I experienced in France, for example, it's more like, okay, you need to prove yourself and then the trust will come. In England, I found it's they trust you. But then, however, if you if you fail and, and if you really uh, break that trust, then you're done. I mean, there, there, there is no coming back. But they give you that trust I found from day one and they let you show what you are capable of. I mean, that, that has been my experience. Again, maybe it's specific to that company I've been working with. Um, Maybe I don't know the, the culture uh, of that company is, uh, is is obviously the only one I experienced here, but the, I, w- I guess I would always link the culture of that company to the British culture. For me, for me, yeah, that that's what I experienced. Maybe they have a different vision of success or failure than absolutely the way it's perceived yes. in France. I agree. I agree completely. Yes, it's. Um, They would push you. They would. Um, I, I found there yeah, there is you. more this uh, exactly uh, rather than being a bit bitter and annoyed at you progressing or you know. Uh, I, I completely agree yeah, with uh, with your statement. Yes. So yeah. it's it's really supported the development of your self confidence and self esteem and. Oh yes, big big time for sure. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, so I, 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 I insist on it because, yeah, that, that's what London, I mean, living in London brought me. It's um, since I arrived in uh, London, I mean, the, the progression for me has been uh, exponential. I mean, it's been, uh, yeah, massive because of that, because all of a sudden, because I've, I've been doing a role in that company I never studied for. I never, it was not my background. I learned on the, on the job. Um, so I, I was not at all an IT person, you know, knowing about technology or, um, I, I, I already had, yes, the, the profile of project management and which, which is part of what uh, I'm doing, but they let me learn. Of course, you have to ask. I'm not saying, you know, it all came easily and everything. I, I also made my own way huh, for sure. Of course. But they, they gave me the opportunity. I said, I really would love to, because I, as I said, I arrived uh, as a temporary worker. Uh, I was a team assistant when I, when I first arrived. And then they, they offered me a permanent position, but I knew I didn't want to stay in that role. But I found the opportunity to learn about uh, technology and, and IT and systems and data. And I loved it. And I really put a lot of effort in learning more in, you know, um, yeah, acquiring knowledge by myself. But then when I asked, when I said, listen, I really would love to help here. And then uh, so I, I started just by helping. And then I said, I really think there is a role here for me. And they said, well, maybe. So we're going to give you six months. Let's see. And then after the six months, yeah, they, they made that per- that role permanent for me and and so on and and i progressed i became a business intelligence manager and and uh, yeah I, i'm under this digital program manager and i really think it would have never happened in france 
Mm. So you moved up in the company and your work and responsibilities evolved along the way. Absolutely. Thanks to the to their support and, and open mindedness to your to your learning yes. in the company. And yes. how according to your experience can a woman best grow professionally in London workspace? So definitely having working for a company that is open minded help, but what I think also tremendously made a difference for me is I have been investing in myself a lot. I started, you know, um, working with a, a coach and then with many, <laughs> many others. Uh, it's I realized that if I do not believe in myself, nobody will. So I've always been uh, really interested in personal development. So I already had, you know, 10 years behind me of learning, of, of also working, you know, uh, through therapy and uh, psychoanalysis and, and reading and, and learning. All of a sudden, I was like, I need to take action. I need to really work on myself. I really need to build that confidence. And at some point, you'll see that self-love. I think that has made for me a big, big difference to stop expecting from others what I could give myself. And that has been, yeah, also really the starting point of a lot of things. And from a professional point of view, definitely something that, that helps. And I think as a woman, I agree that things are still a bit difficult. We may not have the same opportunity than men. There is still a lot of discrimination. But I also firmly believe that sometimes we as women, we are our worst enemy. That's what me, I decided to change. I was like, yes, okay, it's not ideal. There is this glass ceiling concept, but that doesn't mean I cannot live the best life I can live. I cannot be, you know, the best version of myself. And that has always been my, my goal uh, since all, all those years. Yeah, investing in myself and developing myself has, has been what made the, the biggest difference. At this stage, would you like to, to explain a little more what you actually doing and what you have developed? Because you developed yourself as an entrepreneur too. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is also, this podcast is also a space for you to express what you're doing and in, in some way to promote <laughs> what, what you're developing. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes, I mean, and, and it's in the continuity of, of what I what I was um, mentioning about uh, developing myself. And and because I realized that I was progressing, you know, on that journey. And all of a sudden, I think I felt the need, this calling of helping other women taking that same journey. And for me, it was personal development, but it was also the, the money side of thing. Because as I was saying around Australia, I came back broke. And it's been very hard for me to realize that I was dependent on my family to stay there, you know, so I, I left to Australia with a lot of savings, but then, you know, everything <laughs> dried up. <laughs> and so I was asking my family and at some point they said, no, that's it, which has been a blessing in disguise. I know at the time it was difficult for me. But it's been a blessing in disguise because at, some, at that point I was like, oh, my God, it will never, ever happen to me again to be dependent financially on someone else to, to live my life. And since that day, I, uh, when, I, when I came back to, to France and so I've been working, I repay all my debts. And then I, I arrive in London, fresh, clean, 
<laughs> and I've learned as well. So there was the personal development, but there was also the, the, the financial side of things. And then when I realized that actually it was, it's not, not that difficult, <laughs> you know, to, to take care of your money, to, to have a sort of a plan. I, I was like, okay, if you have this sort of visibility, you can plan and, and very, so, so I was learning at the same time. I read books and, but the conjunction of my personal the development journey and my financial uh, progress somehow were, were parallel, were, were going uh, and in hand. The, the, the more I develop myself, the, the more confidence I have, the more I earn money. <laughs> and, and without necessarily, you know, um, uh, pushing for it, if, if that makes sense. But my then I had you know promotions and 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 I earned more and more money and and I, I think yeah in ten years I, I tripled my salary and and of course it comes with all the benefits and everything so but all of this everything I was getting I learned as well to make smart decision with um, with uh, my money to invest it and everything and and therefore uh, I've yeah I've, I've developed. A, so, yes, I've decided, uh, based on that calling I felt of helping women, I've decided also to, to start a business, um, a, a coaching business, and to specifically help women uh, create financial freedom on their own terms. Um, so all those, those words are, are, are they're important. I feel that it, it's, not, it's a conditioning thing, and it's not in our culture to talk about money, and especially not for women. And yet... When you regain somehow this um, economic power as well, <laughs> it changes, you know, so, so much the way you handle your life and, and how you can have an impact uh, on, on, in this world. <laughs> so, so how do you think that women should behave to best express their feminine voice and creativity? What crossed my mind just now is, is this word empowerment. A, a lot of uh, people, um, so I'm, I'm in the coaching industry, and and a lot of people say I'm empowering women. I'm, and I I don't use that word. I'm uncomfortable with that word because I prefer the word encouraging, because I consider that as women we already have the power within, right? We already have it. It's just to regain. We, it. we already have our voice. Exactly. It's just we need to have the courage to express it or to use it or, you know, to learn. So sometimes it's just a question of not, of not having the awareness. Um, but that, that's what matters to me is, is helping women have the courage. Because again, going back to the money side, to the financial side, there is nothing at all in our Western countries that prevent us women from being wealthy. Nothing apart from ourselves <laughs> and having the courage as well to go against the stream because that's the problem however is the the society the conditioning the the you know upbringing sometimes we've had uh, around money and um success the the definition of success for women uh as uh, can be very limiting um so it's just having that courage yeah to, to, and to go, and do you, you think know. that early career women now how do you think they behave in terms of in financial independence? Do you think it's more obvious than former generations? Do you think they were brought up differently by their, by their parents to, to dare and uh, to their belief in their own ability 
to for their financial independence? I think there is a little bit of progress, but honestly, not that much. Um, I still feel there is a long way to go in terms of um, of legacy somehow, you know, um, of of us as a mother, for example, to really teach our children. But if you yourself, you have never been taught, if you, you know, it's not part of what you believe is possible for you, then it's not something you will transmit to your children. And that's why generation after generation, and also because that's also what the society is, uh, is uh, bombarding us in terms of messaging, is the scarcity mindset. And I think we all um, grew and are growing with, with that. And there is still a lot, a lot to do to make that shift in terms of growing an abundance mindset, you know, um, believing that, you know, we are all <laughs> worthy and capable of being wealthy, of uh, living in abundance, but not just abundance of money, abundance of happiness, abundance of joy, abundance of opportunities. And I, yeah, I, I believe you, you can see what, what I've heard that was very, very promising and, and I loved it um, is that there are a lot more uh, prompt to develop, uh, to have already an entrepreneurial mindset. And that, I love the, 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 the concept. I love that idea because they are so used to have their mobile phone and to, you know, develop application and to make things happen quickly and fast. And, and hearing about that, yes, I was like, okay, there is something quite interesting and promising there. It's a different mindset, but there is still quite a lot of generation in between <laughs> that I believe, yeah, don't have that uh, that type of, uh, of mindset. So sometimes, as you said, we are the, our worst enemies, but it mm -hmm. also depends on the way we were brought up. And uh, considering mm -hmm. the values and elements of your own upbringing, the way you were brought up by your parents, are there specific elements that you still keep in mind that really helped you to face these challenges and move forward in your experience abroad? Maybe it's true. I've, I've been growing in an entrepreneurial uh, family. Um, so I saw people, you know, having to take action to, to find solution to challenges. You know, that that's probably what's, has helped me to to think okay it's not easy but it's doable it's, <laughs> you know <laughs> i i can figure thing, things out although at the very beginning i didn't think i was able to and that's what going abroad helped me realize is oh i am as well <laughs> able to figure things out <laughs> um so i think yeah that that environment probably helped however even if i grew up in that environment I still think uh, I grew up with with the scarcity mindset. So, you know, the yeah, the, the, the whole the conditionment. Mindset. So we are so, yeah, in some yeah, way yeah, conditioned yeah. not only the, the way we were brought up by by society, it's uh, all environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and also I would say maybe I'm a bit harsh here, but I would say it's also a French mindset. <laughs> you know, the the this 
I don't know, this idea of uh, persecution and uh, being quite negative, I, I found that that's my experience. Um, I, I know things are changing and are evolving, um, but I've not been living in, in France for now <laughs> 12 years. So I know I know things are changing slightly. But me, I know that that's what I've, I grew up with is um, is that, you know, that you are you are born or you have evolved in a specific uh, box. Let's call it that way. And you know what? There is no way you can get out of that box. That's what I grew up with. And I ate that idea. <laughs> I really embraced the growth mindset, really. And that's what I found here in England is that is, you know what? If you put your mind to it, there is no reason why you couldn't make it happen. And that that that's the mindset uh, I really embrace and, and um, uh, that resonates uh, with me. Mm. Yes, that there I are, didn't find. There are different ways of, of growing as a person. I mean, it can go with financial development, but you can grow. It, creativity can be part of it Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes, yes. It's it's definitely not just about the, the money or financial. Or uh, I would say we we all know it. <laughs> money is it doesn't bring you happiness necessarily. You know, it, it helps. <laughs> but, and that that's what it felt to me is that as long as I would move forward, I will be happy. I will be full. I will feel fulfilled. Um, that that's my own definition of uh, of happiness is is that is being in motion. That that's what it is. And I I have a still recurring question I like to ask to all women I interview. So what advice would you like to give to other young women preparing themselves to move abroad that could facilitate that adjustment in a new country? What would you tell them? Yeah, I would I would say go for it. Try it. But you will never ever fail. Because you will always learn whatever is happening, you will always learn, you will positive out of it, and you will discover so much about you, about how actually, um, you know, um, resourceful you are, how capable of <laughs> figuring things out you are. Yes, it's it's scary, but it's it's about um, going beyond the fears and just um, yes embracing embracing the uncertainty I would say probably um, and and just on the language thing I know that's something I've been struggling myself at the beginning is even if the in terms of language you're you don't feel comfortable or at quite affluent and just speak Speak, 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 speak. I know, I know me. I'm I, because I'm also a perfectionist, so I wanted everything. You know, every time I, I was speaking, I wanted my sentences or you know to be perfect. And but I was, I was preventing myself from making connection. From you know, and I, what I realized once I, because some people push me and said, just go for it, even if you you know make mistakes and everything, it doesn't matter. You know, you you will you will take a lot out out of this, and and once I reached that point where I was like, oh well, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> let's just go for it. And, and I've noticed perfectionism is is often not always, but often a feminine trade. What do you think? I I think it is definitely. I think it comes from again this conditioning in a way of you know, women must be I mean, good girls people pleaser you know doing things right and 
And I think that condition us and that creates this imposter syndrome, you know, thing that I think we all uh, legitimate. Maybe we we think that we might not be legitimate. We have a specific yes. role to play. But exactly. I realize that there are many early carry women who go abroad alone. That's what what you did. So you had to yes. sustain yourself. Yes. And to support yes. yourself financially and develop your own autonomy. So probably it's it's encouraging more women to do the same maybe it's true yes no absolutely you're absolutely right it, it's that that realization that actually you don't need anybody you know to leave <laughs> what helped me a lot you know is also developing self-love and it's again this idea that once you understand that you don't have to expect you know anybody you don't have to rely on anybody to give you whatever you feel that you need such as approval Uh, money or you know love or that you can give that to yourself then then it's very freeing it's, it's that freedom somehow I think that going abroad and realizing oh going abroad or going out of your circle you know realizing that yes on your own you are that entity you are that great amazing you know entity uh, that can um live the, their best life, that can make such a great impact in the world, you know, that can really uh, thrive. Uh, yes, that, that's me, what I found fascinating. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for, for what, you've, what you've shared with us today. It's really, I think, inspiring for other women to, to develop their self, self-confidence and their belief in themselves. And you're oh, really pleasure. supportive for them to, to sustain themselves financially. <laughs> <laughs> to find their yes. own independence <laughs> yes no i'm glad and and if I'm, i'm very happy to answer any question or i that's why also i created my business is i i really want to help i think as you said we need more women you know that get more independent and that realize that uh yeah that they are great diamonds and and yes that can really thrive in their life we we need uh we need that a lot a lot more yes So um, I would be very ha happy to help in that sense. Thank you very much for taking part in, in this episode. And I wish you a beautiful summertime. Thank you so much, Francois. It's uh, been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for following us in this episode. Because an international experience can awaken incentives and reveal new aspects in women's identities, Women Abroad is the podcast that appeals to young women everywhere. Did you like this episode? Like it and subscribe on Apple Podcast, Spotify or Google Podcast and share it with your friends. You can also rate us and review us. Would you like to share your experience abroad? Whether you are a student, an early career woman or a more experienced professional, contact me on my page women underscore abroad underscore on Instagram and women abroad on Facebook. You can also listen to the episodes on my website, women-abroad-coaching.com. I wish you a great day and a bright life. Talk to you soon.